96.9 FM. We are broadcasting live from unceded Musqueam and Coast Salish territory here on UBC campus in Vancouver, BC. Real World is the UBC Film Society's radio show, and we try to connect with our other with other clubs and campus organizations through film. Today, we'll be talking about Roma, written, produced, and directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who di also directed Gravity, Itumama Tambien, and Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. Um, first, I think it'd be good if we introduce ourselves That's true. as the co-hosts of Real World. Um, we are missing one person today. She's going to be a little late. But here we have myself, Alex. I'm the bookings manager of FilmSoc. And the host of today's show. Yes. <laughs> I'm uh, Augustine. I am uh, um, computer operations at FilmSoc. And we also have Clara. She's just sitting in, <laughs> but will definitely pop in, I'm sure. Um, this is our first episode since being back from winter break. Uh, it was a good, good New Year's, good Christmas, merry to, whatever to yeah. everyone. Um, it's weird being back at school, but we wanted to do a movie that was related to the Golden Globe since the award show just happened earlier this week. Um, and I, I saw how Roma had come out on Netflix in December when I was home, but I didn't really get a chance to watch it. So I thought this would be a good time to do that. Especially in now, now that it won. Yeah, so it won best. It won best uh, director and best foreign f language film at the Golden Globes. Yeah, which was really cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I don't know. The I didn't actually watch the award show, but like the Golden Globes in general was pretty interesting in that a lot of, um, I guess like a lot of breakout kind of actors and directors or just people who don't normally win awards aka everyone white and <laughs> male yeah um and also hosting the show it was andy sandberg and uh what's her name sandra oh which was yeah. really cool and there's this really cool video of her at the beginning of the show and she makes a speech about um the fact that she's the first Asian woman to ever present an award show which was really really cool and pretty amazing yeah her parents were out in the crowd and she says I love you to them in Korean and it was just really really awesome to see especially I think because 2018 was kind of a very tumultuous year <laughs> and very difficult in a lot of senses um yeah I don't know it's just really inspiring to see those kind of changes happening in film and then also I know other I forgot who it is but someone who produces a show Regina something I feel bad I'm not remembering but anyway she made this also really awesome speech about yeah. um, how everyone should make an effort to hire more women in their productions and try to have like a 50 50 ratio in whatever they're working on mm -hmm. um, which is pretty sad to think that it's not that way <laughs> yet um, but I think that's like a really cool call to action for there was a lot of that I yeah feel, and Glenn Close yeah. she won best actress um, in a drama, she also made a similar um, call out for, you know, women to be allowed to live their best life, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it was really cool. I hope I get around to actually watching the actual awards thing. But for now, we'll just be talking about Roma, which was a really She's awesome also very movie. much about women. Yeah, I um, didn't think it would be, but yeah, me a lot of those elements are there. I don't know. I guess because I had heard that it was more autobiographical that I was like, oh, well, it's going to be about his childhood and how he saw it. But and I guess it could still be in, in the sense that like he has um, women figures exactly. around him growing yeah. up. But um, very few male figures, actually. Yeah. And the male figures in the movie that are there are kind of not great yeah they, they kind of escape right they yeah kind of so flee. i guess it'd be good to start just with some context about the film um so it's called roma which is referring to the colonia roma which is a neighborhood in mexico city where alfonso Cuaron grew up um the film is set in 1970 and 1971 um there's a lot of like political context at the time too that i kind of wish i researched before watching the film but you kind of get it though I, you, you, yeah. know, you know that something's going on, but I wish I knew like the actual um, yeah. details about what was happening. And a, a lot of everything that was happening in the movie, political-wise, was factual. Um, Historical, yeah. 
and actually happened in history. So in 1970 and 71, um, there was the, it was called the Mexican Dirty War at the time, um, and it was something between student movements and... It was um, an internal conflict. Yeah, and then paramilitary, so lots of, like, these radical kind of militias um, that are... I guess they're supporting the government at the time. I think what's up which is it didn't that seem like a good government yeah, in that moment. What I understood from what we read, um, the government was kind of proto-fascist, um, supported by the U.S. Mm-hmm. and uh, who didn't who U.S. who supported these paramilitary groups also to repress uh, the student protests, which were leftist and you know socialist. Um, so a lot of that, as I think, is pretty w- was pretty widespread in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I just never knew specifically like the history within Mexico City. Yeah, me neither. And yeah. I'm guessing that that period was also when Alfonso Cuarón was living there, or he was growing up at that time, if that's what he chose to document in this. Um, but then, it's also very much not the center of the movie. It's not the center. For sure. It's more about the things that are happening with this family and with these characters, um, which we should probably get into a little more as well. Um, So the film, as we said, is a semi-autobiographical take on Alfonso Cuaron's upbringing in Mexico City. And it follows the life of a live-in housekeeper named Cleo. And she helps, she works for this middle-class family um, that has a bunch of kids. And yeah, the movie just starts out with this like very close up of the tiles that are in front of their house and it's just getting covered with water as she's scrubbing the tiles i thought it was a really 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 cool intro it's a beautiful yeah and i've never really seen anything like that and then when the water washes over you see the reflection of the sky and you see like a plane go by so it's a really cool innovative way i think to set the scene and there's a lot of showing like almost nothing yeah there's a lot of callbacks to that right yeah, we see like the plane that flies in the sky in the first shot um, a couple other times in the film. And re- water and reflections are really seem to be somewhat important. Um, yeah. And it's just pretty, too, to look at. Yeah. It's black and white. Yeah. So yeah. that is another big key component of the film is that it's black and white, which I honestly, when I first saw like the teaser trailer on Netflix, and it turns your entire Netflix black and white. I thought that something was wrong with my computer. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way. Because it changes the Netflix logo and everything, yeah. not just, like, the film content. Um, but then I, I did realize that it was black and white. But I didn't know that. I don't know. It was an interesting choice. And while we were watching it, you were saying that even though it's black and white, you could still, like, see all of the colors that would be there. Because it's Mex- Mexico City. Mm. It's very, like, vibrant. There's colored flags everywhere and, like, people selling things on the street. All these toys and a lot of things people, like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, even though the color isn't really present, it does exist for you. Or, yeah. like, you just sense it through, you know, the n- sounds and noise and music. And the lights are very strong. Right? The contrasts are always mm-hmm. very... The sun's always very very pretty and shines its light on everything and yeah for i feel like not that i don't like black and white films but i guess you kind of associate them with being older so it's interesting to see one that's made in 2018 um that's i mean it's depicting a story that is from a time where black and white would be the norm right i'm not sure like no when we're watching it in oh on the the tv yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like the the tvs in the film are all in black and white so I felt like that's kind of, I don't know, connecting us to that time more so. To what they would be watching. Right. But it's still still really different. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like I've been thinking a lot about his choice to make it black and white. And I don't, I can't come to like any conclusions for other than it being like kind of a memory or. Mm. For me, there was something about, but maybe I'm, you know, wrong about that, but how, um, it accentuates the color, the skin color differences very much. Mm-hmm. Like you can clearly see when someone's skin is darker or not. And I feel like that's really, really also part of what the movie is talking about, too. Um, so I felt that 
that was one of the aspects but and then yeah mm. i wasn't sure how i imagine it probably is important that like the family that cleo works for is very light-skinned you know and yeah. obviously quite wealthy upper middle class they can afford to have a lot of kids um and cleo and her friend adela who also works in the house um they're obviously a lot like darker skinned and so are the other people that they're friends with yeah um and they also speak uh a very like traditional language from mexico so they speak alternate between spanish and this other language spanish which the, the family speaks. yeah so they sp mostly speak spanish to the family and then speak um i forgot what it's called Mi it's like a mexican dialect um i don't want to butcher that but it <laughs> yeah oh it's from oaxaca so that's where their traditional language that they're speaking is from right. um so yeah I, I really liked too that at least in the english subtitles when you're watching the film like they make the distinction between when they're speaking spanish and when they're speaking their native language um i think spanish it was just like regular subtitles and then when they were speaking uh their native languages in brackets yeah um so i don't know yeah there's a lot of like class barriers there and like language and um gender all yeah. types of things that kind of at play and interestingly you know there's these barriers and then there's like the way um the characters kind of bridge through to them mm -hmm. right especially um and how they the 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 the, um, the family and the workers kind of bond over the fact of being women and 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 that womanhood that is very complicated uh, at that time and and has is very multifaceted as well yeah for sure that's definitely something I think we want to get into, but I think it'd be a good time to take a quick break yes. before we really do delve into all of that. Um, yeah, so we have some songs coming up. First one is Another by Ruru from her album Far Out. Some fun at night 
Stew stews, the stew for you. Do you do the stew that stew stews? Come find out at UBC Sprouts. Located in the basement of the AMS Nest and on the penthouse of the GSS building. Open weekdays 9 to 4.30. UBC Sprouts is your home for cheap, tasty, organic, locally sourced, vegan stew and baked goods. If a search has been long and futile and brutal. The UBC Women in Science Club provides support for female undergraduates in science fields. Our club has three pillars, mentorship, building community, and connecting people. We offer networking events with alumni, professional development workshops, as well as an ongoing mentorship program to support students through challenges that arise for women pursuing careers in science. And welcome back to The Real World. We're on CATR 101.9 FM. Um, our friend Jin has finally made it to us. <laughs> I'm here. Hi, Jin. Hello. Hi. So the gang is all back together. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the last song we played was Vacation by Family Reunion. Um, so I think where we left off, we were talking about the female figures in Roma. Yes. If anyone wants yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the topic that's on the table. Um, yeah, I think m- me and Augustine were talking earlier that um, I didn't really see the movie as something that centered around women, but I mean, other than the fact that the main character is, but I guess the more it went on and afterwards and I reflected about it, it yeah. really says a lot. And like her, also how they tie in the mother of the family um, and her just whole struggle with her husband having an affair. I guess we should have mentioned the more of the plot. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. How about we do that first? We did, we did like the yeah. over over yeah, plot. Yeah. yeah. It's um, very easy to just like for me to just like go into it. Yeah, um, and we're just assuming everyone knows yeah. what we're talking about. Um, but anyway, so Cleo is the housekeeper that is working for this family. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a ton of kids. Uh, it's pretty apparent, like quite soon into the movie, that there's like a lot of strain on the marriage between the two parents of the family that she works for. Um, and we see the father leaving and he says he's going to do research in Canada. Um, so he's a doctor. yeah, we know, we know he's a doctor and they call him Dr. Antonio. Um, I actually didn't 
I really thought he was just leaving there. I couldn't yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I was supposed to pick that up or what. I think but, the yeah the first indication that there was like I guess trouble was when he um, when he first got back to the house um, after his trip or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, he was complaining to the wife uh, about like how there was like dog poop everywhere and empty cartons in the fridge and sort of like I guess his un- not being satisfied in the household like him using that as like a. Saying as, he's as not point. satisfied with their marriage, yeah, yeah, in essence, yeah. or like That's their what family I, life. The first sign of trouble, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, I thought that he was leaving because of like some kind of war or like yeah, more of a too, political yeah. thing rather than mm-hmm. a personal matter. Like as yeah. a doctor, person of interest. Yeah, and I think at the at near the beginning, the kids are all sitting at the table for breakfast, and the couple kids are talking about um, that they saw someone get shot in the street. So I was kind of connecting it back to that, that mm. the father had to leave to take care of something or that they were all preparing to leave the country or something like that. But they're, they're for, and, and, and we don't, I think we're not supposed to pick up on the weirdness because, uh, and I think that's uh, important to say about the way the film looks as well, is that it's very much, even though the main character is this uh, servant and whatever, well, it's very much from a kid's point of view of like, just pick him up on on things. We, the the camera tends to like pan for like really long shot in the the scene where we uh, see the doctor um, talking about the dog poop everywhere. Um, he, it's during one of those long shots, and we don't. There's no like scene of like this is the scene where they talk about that. It's mm-hmm. like a lot of other stuff happens. Yeah, that's an like interesting part of the camera work too. Is that there's he's constantly panning. In everything and then you kind of just see the action happening on the edges but then we're away from it or like we're distanced from it um yeah like augustine said kind of a childish perspective or like something just very naive where mm. you're not totally aware of what's happening like it's there but it's not the most present thing for you and it's not the most pressing issue yeah it's not for the spectator yeah yeah and i'm wondering if that's playing more from like the children's perspective or even cleo yeah. You know, I, and that she's yeah. probably not like genuinely super, super concerned with the ins and outs of the mm-hmm. parents' relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, like they're her employer, um, and they there to. is like a lot of care between the family and her. But yeah. I think her her main role is like you know being with the children and protecting them, and mm-hmm. you know maybe she sides more with them with wanting to distance them mm-hmm. from from what's happening with their parents. Yeah. I definitely saw it as more no, of no, a um ahead. uh the the camera being like the perspective of a child, one of the children of the house because mm-hmm. um like especially in the beginning when they first introduced Cleo, like I um and she's like kissing all the kids goodnight and everything like it definitely I think it reflected that of what the director was trying to evoke with the film because he based it off of um his own sort of house made as he was growing up this mm-hmm. woman named Libo Libo oh yeah the yeah that said that. and and so like especially for the first bit like it just felt very like maternal and nurturing the mm-hmm. way and like you would um and I think I, I saw um the way the story progressed as like a child growing up in that household and like slowly being revealed like all these truths both like within the house and like right. you know society. But they, they the, have experienced the yeah. love of this yeah. person who isn't even their family, but kind of, you know, he takes care of them and is yeah. there for them in a way that maybe their parents aren't. Yeah, yeah. So because that's how I felt viewing the movie that Cleo was like, um, like I didn't re- felt I didn't even though we followed her story, I didn't really feel like it was in her shoes or that you know I was her like following mm-hmm. through it. Mm. It felt more like I was the kid like learning her story and like having all these things revealed right. to me so mm. maybe you should be continue with the plot yes. <laughs> so yeah. so the parents things are not going well for them the father leaves to canada and that's what the family assumes and they find out later that that's not the case and that he's having an affair um what happens after that i don't really remember uh, most well, of it is, is centered she, around cleo that's she, when she gets um, pregnant yeah she gets pregnant Right, um, she goes out with this man who is like her her friend's boyfriend's cousin. They have some kind of, they're connected somehow. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that scene yeah. was really interesting yeah. when her so the Wait, guy she's dating, one? Fermin, he's oh, yeah, 
when they're only really into martial arts. So like the scene <laughs> mm. that we see them in a bedroom kind of environment, he's he's completely naked and he's taking the shower rod, uh, rod off yeah. of the shower and then does this whole like martial arts thing yeah. naked. Yeah, and it was just that yeah, that was a lot. Was Things a were lot. swinging. Everything was just out there. Yeah. And I was just like, what in God's name like and then it goes camera goes back to Cleo who's sitting in bed watching this. They're just such different characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, she's she looks very honestly unamused and doesn't know what to think, yeah. which is a yeah. reasonable reaction. And he's just such a like intense and um extreme kind of yeah character. and he he yeah. talks about his um childhood like growing up without parents and living on yeah. the street and getting in to the wrong crowd and how martial arts um kind of helped him focus is what he said yeah. um yeah i don't know it's they're very contrasting characters for sure yeah it's interesting that we there's no sex scene in the movie even though it's a lot about relationships and stuff like that mm-hmm. yeah and the only and so no and the only time we see a naked character, it's this guy who represents <laughs> a lot of violence. Yeah. And he, and his nakedness, you know, and the way he uses his body, like, is it kind of stand in stand in for like a sex scene in a way, like, but it's violence. Mm-hmm. And later in the film, we find out um, when. Cleo f- realizes she's pregnant, and she goes to the doctor, and the doctor is asking her questions. Um, that he is the only person that she slept with, the only person that she was ever with. I don't know how that made me feel. Like, it it made me really sad, I guess, that that, that has to be the guy that that happens with. And, mm-hmm. and when she tells him that she's, that he, she's pregnant, he just walks out on her. Like, yeah. they're in a movie theater, and he's like, oh, I'm just going to go to the bathroom, I'll be back. After yeah, saying that, like, back. oh, it's so great that you're pregnant, yeah. it's a good thing, right? And she's like, yeah, I guess so. And then he just never comes back. Yeah. And kind of, yeah, and I guess that connects to the family's parents, too, that the dad just walks out on them. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Cleo and the mother, Sophie. Sophie or Sophia? Sophie. Sophie. Um, they, I think they really connect in that and sense that because of what's them. happened to both yeah. of them. And then when that mother... Sophie is she finds out that her husband was cheating on her she comes home drunk and she says to Cleo like women are always alone yeah like men will always like they're never gonna be there or they're always hurting us or that was like I felt like a really 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 strong moment in the whole film and especially as she enters that scene destroying the symbol of her husband like his car yeah so the the father he owns this like really wide car and is always trying to like drive it into their driveway (laughs) without hitting anything and it's actually like the same width as a driveway so it's it's just funny how it's It's always a really drawn out scene oh yeah yeah, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess yeah. I could see that. Okay. See, I don't have a mind like that. Um. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like, given the themes and whatever, like I don't know. There's something about like forcing, you know. And then that car being wrecked. Yeah, and then the movie. she destroying she it, getting it. her destroying, own car. Destroying yeah, and the then her, her car is like yeah. s- small, small, and yeah. she can easily not yeah. crash it and things like that. It's yeah, I, guess I never, I never thought yeah. about the car in that way. I was just like. <laughs> uh, that's annoying it's a really big car <laughs> or or something that yeah the father really prizes because when you yeah. first introduce to the father it's only through these close-up shots of his hands on the steering wheel and like smoking a cigarette in the car the radio we don't so, like, see it's, his face yeah it's very the car is very representative of him and i don't know i guess like kind of the distance he has from the family too you know hmm. the radio is really loud when he drives up and yeah, I don't know. The dad is so, even in the end, like, he doesn't come back to see the kids or anything like that. Like, they're so... Well, we don't see it. ...forgotten. Like, yeah. yeah, we assume from what the mother says that he will come back, but... Yeah. And and even when Cleo was giving birth, um, yeah, he was kind of like, no, no, I can't go. And to... Yeah, yeah he's even very, though he was, like, very distanced. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so Cleo gives birth... That was a very gut-wrenching scene. Um, oh, actually, yes. before that, I guess we should give some context for that, is that 
the grandma of the family she takes cleo and then their driver Another and they woman. go um, to get a crib to yeah. buy a crib for cleo's new baby and then while they're in there this um oh, this fight a- breaks mm-hmm. out and and we looked it up and it was called i think the corpus, corpus christi Christina. massacre in june of 1971 which makes sense because her baby is due in june um but yeah so there's a bunch of students were in the street and then these para militia people who she finds out that her the father of her child is part of this group um and they come into the store where the the crib is being sold and they shoot someone right in front of her and he's pointing a gun at her the grandma is just you know crying but protecting Protecting, cleo and then they're trying to escape and they get out to the car and there's a lot of traffic obviously as they're trying to get to the hospital because Cleo's water broke in that scene um yeah it's just really painful you know she's in the back of this car like holding onto this child inside of her but she can't like get any help or anything yeah. and then when they get to the hot the hospital scene was so so stressful for me <laughs> like the environment you know yeah. of all of all those moms everyone. everywhere like everyone is pregnant and there's no like privacy in the room you're just in a behind a curtain of another person screaming and then another person mm. screaming behind them like it was really just yeah i guess really evocative of like it's this whole thing of like a bunch of people died and like just before yeah and then this is like what life looks like but it's equally like chaotic and scary just death and and life again yeah constantly yeah and then she is isolated yeah so she's she's taken to um like a more of a surgery room once they realize that uh they can't hear the baby the baby's heartbeat in her stomach um, so they take her to this other room, and this part I felt like happened so quickly. You know, the baby is born, and they realize it's dead, like the moment it's born, and I don't know. It was I like don't even know how to process it really. Still, like she holds her dead child, and the entire time the camera is focused on her, but we see the body of the child in the background as it's being you know, like, wrapped up, and it's being kind of prepared for burial or whatever they do. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I thought that was, like, a really interesting shot that, like, we see everything happening to the child, but it's very much, like, in the distance, and... Yeah. I yeah. Think, I don't, and their yeah. attitude also, of like, telling her that her baby was dead, and, like, it was just really horrible yeah. you know there's no like kind of sanctity given to that and like just happens yeah and then it was over i think i think that mm, this is me kind of like <laughs> trying to interpret it but um the fact that it it is a the baby's a girl mm-hmm. and that it was mm-hmm. a stillborn and and just a whole um events of things leading throughout the story and just kind of, yeah, maybe to stand in for the whole act of violence against women mm-hmm, happening yeah. throughout this movie and during that time. And, yeah, the way they tell her and just yeah. how it's so And, I mean, it's it's impossible for us to know, I guess. Like, I mean, I would assume that the baby was healthy before the, yeah, before the, the massacre and her witnessing someone dying and someone pointing a gun right at her right before giving birth. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't know anything about child delivery, mm. <laughs> but I, I, ca- I can imagine that had a huge impact on whether or not the child survived. So it's like, yeah. like what you're yeah. saying, yeah, that violence against women, even though this was very indirect, still, like, yeah. took a life. Even, of I someone mean, who didn't yeah. even have one yet. Also considering, like, what for me told her, in the when she went to visit him mm-hmm. um, while he was training, and then she was like insisting, "Yes, the child is yours," and he was like, "No, don't ever say that again." And if you, you know, try to find me, I'm gonna kill you and a child yeah. or something like that. And then and then he pointed like, the gun at her. Oh yeah, and then he in did that moment he he kind of mimics yeah. beating her. Yeah, this constant like suggestion and implication mm-hmm. that he's gonna hurt her and not actually doing it, but then the child still being you know not alive when it is yeah born. and and you know it's true that the scene really just happens and there's it's not very melodramatic at all 
like just you know the babies know that it's dead um but the fact that it's completely uh it embodies all of that yeah. it's for me that was really um, an emotional very uh strong because of that yeah what all the baby had taken on as, as meaning you know yeah yeah Um, it might be a good place to take a quick break <laughs> after. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, pretty heavy stuff. But yeah. we'll be back um, right after this message and maybe a couple songs. Throat and a gun in your hand. 
donuts each and every radio show is brewed fresh and served fresh at the peak of its flavor. If you're a tough customer, only the taste of this radio show will do. So go ahead, let Dunkin' Donuts make your radio experience exquisite. Indeed. <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, serving sweet treats from the pop underground. Thursdays, noon to one. This Quarter Magazine has been supporting local music for over 30 years. Thanks to the long-term support of the Rickshaw Theater, This Quarter lives. Your favorite bands are playing at the Rickshaw Theater. Check out their calendar just behind the cover of This Quarter Magazine or at rickshawtheater.com. Welcome back to The Real World on CITR 11.9 FM. We're kind of in the final stretch of the show right now. Um, we ended on a pretty sad note about the childbirth in Roma. Oh, by the way, we're talking about Roma by Alonso <laughs> Maybe I should mention that. Um, yeah, I don't know what else is on the agenda talking about that. Um, Maybe we could finish women. talking have, about the plot. I have some things um, that I... Do we talk about everything? No. Not really, no. Oh, I think it'd be cool to talk about um, the kids. Yes. Mm, I don't know. They weren't... 
they weren't like individually developed that much each of them but i really liked the youngest boy pepe <gasps> yeah. he was oh. also just super cute yeah i think he had one of the closest bonds with cleo yeah definitely yeah. um and i don't know maybe that was supposed to be like representative of the director because he yeah maybe that know. was like himself and mm. and even though pepe is the youngest you know i feel like he's the most like emotionally established in the film mm -hmm. yes like the other two boys in the family they fight a lot and like very boyish yeah and the girl the mother kind of expects her to take care of her little brother yeah. um but pepe is very like the most the mo the younger emotional one. as well yeah and very like, just free yeah. i think from from other things and i like a lot of his dialogue when he says when oh, when I was older, that, yeah, talking I about was, like his past I was a life. fighter pilot or something, yeah. and I died. He talked a lot about how he died. Yeah, yeah. in the beginning, yeah, there's this part where they like both lie down um, outside where the laundry was. Yeah, and he says, "I can't hear you. I'm dead." I'm dead. And then she lies down like across from him, and then she does the same thing, and then he talks to her, and she's like, "I can't. I'm dead." Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, they share a really special connection that um, I liked seeing on screen. Yeah, and in the end, the final scene, um, well, it's not the final scene, but near the end, they all go to a beach, and yeah. um, I forgot, two of the kids, I don't remember their names, are oh, Paco they, and yeah. Sophie. They're in the water, and they're not supposed to swim that far away, because mm -hmm. um, Cleo is watching them, and she can't swim. And they can't swim either, right? I think they can, but they just weren't supposed to go far out, so yeah. that way she could get them. Um, so she's sitting with Pepe, and um, he says a, a similar thing again, where he's like, when I was older... He leaves the kids. I was something. I forgot what he said. Obviously, I think it's he horrible. says a... Uh, uh, he drowned, anyways. Oh, yeah, yeah. Maybe he was like a, a ship captain mm -hmm. or something like that. But he says that he drowned, and then he died. Mm -hmm. um, and then that's when Cleo starts walking back towards the water, because she notices that the other two kids are not responding to her calling out for them and even as she's walking away they still like pepe is out of the frame but we still hear him saying it was dark and like yeah. the waves were so big as cleo is walking to the ocean to go get them and yeah i don't know that's like a really powerful scene too she's walking out to the water even though she can't swim and it's it's like a I think obviously like a really strong current and like you see the kids heads kind of bob up and then bob back down as she they're trying to get to her and eventually she pulls them out yeah um and then the whole the whole family like the mom and Cleo and all the kids they all embrace and they're crying and then Cleo she says I didn't want her and the mom yeah. is like what <laughs> and Cleo's talking yeah. about her her baby that yeah. she lost and she was has been mute between the moment she lost the baby yeah she wasn't she wasn't talking a lot after yeah. that yeah. just yeah i'm sure she was really sad and distraught um but yeah until that moment and then she kind of opens up and and the mom says we love you too mm -hmm. yeah yeah that was a a nice scene i feel like there's like a lot of reconciliation between yeah. her like losing this child but she also saved the these children. children and yeah she's always taking care of them and i don't know it was very very heartwarming very beautiful yeah, yeah. and then life goes back to normal i mean yeah back. yeah well, i think they the mother tells the kids that your father is yes. not coming home he's not gonna be living with us and that was a f kind of funny scene too after she tells them, they get ice cream, and then they're oh eating yes. ice cream outside, and then there's a wedding yeah. right next to them, like, yeah. right after she tells the kids that they're going to get a divorce, probably. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, irony and, like, yeah, like weird very punctures of comic relief moments. Mm -hmm. Not, like, intensely Yeah, funny, I'm not, like, just cackling like when I'm like, oh. <laughs> there's, like, just the irony yeah. of the life. It's, yeah. Yes, yes. Or or with the, oh, the best comic moment is with the... The guy uh, at the martial arts training, that this icon of like wrestling superhero, um, who's just very intense about everything. I don't know. What's I name? guess like his character Professor. is funny, but it's interesting. Like when, what's his name, Professor Vivek or something, something like that. But he's just some celebrity icon, and he's like helping to train the martial arts people that her 
baby's father is in. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. And he does this weird, like, tree pose <laughs> thing like, with his eyes closed. Yeah. And he puts, and, like, one leg on Yeah, the and, other and nobody leg. else can do it, but then it shows Cleo, and she's doing it perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he says only, like, elite athletes, athletes and, like, spiritual people and, like, really well-trained mm-hmm. whatever can do this. And she's just, like... Doing it. Yeah. yeah. I don't baby. know. It's I interesting. Think... She's very, like... I was going to say that it was supposed to show, show something of, like, you know, female power and miss, like, all these men who couldn't do it. But then some of the women who were also standing there couldn't do she it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know what it is about Cleo that yeah. she was the one. So now, yeah, now like it becomes what that a Cleo means. thing that I don't know what to mm-hmm. interpret from that necessarily right now. Yeah. <laughs> especially, I don't know, considering, like, Cleo doesn't have an immense amount of dialogue. No. Well, a lot of it is just kind of like banter between her and the kids or between her and the parents or her um, friends who are also servants. But not a lot of it is like emotionally revealing or You never know how she feels or something like that. Even without the dialogue, like Mm -hmm. just expressions. Yeah, she's she's not expressionless. Yeah, but you don't really read a lot. Yeah, she doesn't really emote a ton. Yeah. But she's also not like an uh, and I think maybe that's why um, they wanted her because she's not a professional actor mm-hmm. the, yes. the actress who plays yeah her. that was an interesting point that yeah. you she was a teacher um and and they yeah they were i don't know exactly how they how many people they looked at or like if they were looking at only non-actors mm-hmm. but um yeah she was a teacher before i guess it makes mm-hmm. sense with how good she is with the kids <laughs> yeah and yeah, i read she yeah. couldn't she couldn't swim either in that yeah. scene yeah yeah like she had to go out there <laughs> Not being able yeah. to swim. It's kind of seems like a liability maybe, but <laughs> very, very authentic performance. Yeah. <laughs> um All right. Yeah. Oh wait, one more thing. Why black and white? Oh. Oh yeah. We did we touched on that at the beginning, but we could not come up with a very oh, strong okay. answer. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> I I was hoping we would figure you guys. No, I I, I genuinely don't know other than like some kind of like nostalgia factor or we said because all of the the tvs and that you see in the movie are in black and white because yeah. it's in you know 1970 yeah, so it's yeah. like tying it to that but i think it's it's like a really bold choice in 2018 um, yeah to yeah. do that because it's such an intentional thing yeah and, and really i don't know think it just through. like from our like film production classes and things or like photography classes i've taken People are really, like, anti-black and white a lot of time. Or, like, yeah. you need to, like, do it perfectly and, like, execute it perfectly. And it has to have a lot of intention and yeah. reasoning behind it. Mm. Um, so well, I feel like yeah. I was I was looking for that. I was be- I, In my head, I was like, you need to prove why you're using black and white. And, like, I need to understand why it's important. Yeah. And, like, even though I don't really, like, I don't think I would have changed it. You yeah. know, it worked. It's yeah. just pretty, too. I just, yeah. I just, I was like. It, as a, I think it, um. Because the character Cleo, she's I couldn't find an explanation why, and I don't know myself. But like, they she was named after possibly um, uh, Cleo from Agnes Varda's Cleo from Five to Seven, mm-hmm. and that was like released in nineteen six six seventy, mm-hmm. um, and just like if that was if that is real like this one article that mentioned it that i read it from um it might you know that's trying interesting because they're total opposite people right yeah they are you know, but, very like but the spoiled. way it was shot <laughs> and yeah yeah in that movie i mean in the way it looks like um formally mm-hmm. and stuff i i can see how this, yeah yeah i um, could definitely draw some comparisons yeah. there. so i'm trying to like say maybe that's why they also chose black and white to like really i don't know yeah yeah maybe we, I guess we'll we'll yeah. end on that that okay. reflection. Why black and white? Maybe yeah. maybe someone out there has an answer. Hold <laughs> um, on, if you listen to us, <laughs> let us know. Let us know why he did it. Um, thanks for joining us today. This is our first episode back, and we're happy to be back. And yeah. you'll hear more from us soon. Bye bye. 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 Baseball, claquettes, qui nous reste. 
C'est pas la fin du monde, mais ça, même si rien ne va fin de la semaine. On est refaire un tour de chat dans ta tête, 96. On joint même les seuls. Dormir, la poussière va toute seule, ouais. Feedback colossus. Vague de chaleur trempée dans nos chandails. Tympan percé par les cymbales. Ramé jusqu'à l'autre bord du fleuve, retour au bercail. Passé au travers du cachet, tout mis ça dans le taxi, puis la boréale. J'ai vomi sur le tapis, je suis pas trop. On s'en va, je m'en fais pas trop de toute façon. C'est pas la fin du monde, mais ça même si on y arrive pas à fin de la semaine. Fin de la semaine, on ira faire un tour de chat. 